Today's podcast is brought to you by Eggshell Light Company. For over 45 years, Eggshell Light Company has been the go-to specialty shop handling the lighting needs for all that grace the shores of beautiful Hawaii. Combining the artistic methods of the theater with the speed and efficiency of the musical touring industry, they have pioneered event lighting throughout the Hawaiian Islands. They specialize in supply of top shelf equipment and designers for broadcast concerts, corporate, and special events. From the smallest weddings to televised concerts and the largest corporate clients, they know this is your most important event. It is their goal to make sure you feel that way. Aloha from Eggshell Light Company. Welcome everyone to another episode of LD at Large Podcast. My name is Chris Lose. I am the designer relations developer at Ayrton Lighting as well as columnist for PLSN Magazine. I hope you're all enjoying listening and reading. I am very excited today because I'm going to be talking to a longtime friend of mine. Uh, we are going to take the day to discuss something that comes up fairly often. And this is fairly unique to our industry in the fact that we are able to share lots of photos online about the things that we're doing. And our photos are freaking wonderful. We have so many huge world events. Uh, everybody's favorite bands are in our uh, in our news feed. And it looks like our jobs are very glamorous and jet setting. And it looks like we're doing all these things around the world that are just the envy of all of our friends. And it's, it's really easy for even us within the industry to kind of fall into this trap that we start to think that everybody else is doing something and we're not. It's all too often that we're sitting on a loading dock or in a hotel room, looking at somebody else's photos like, oh man, that is where I want to be. Whatever they're doing, they're, they're so lucky to be there. And it, it's, it can take a toll on us, uh, on our psyche thinking like, oh man, somebody else is doing something so much better than us or so, and it's easy to be very envious. So uh, today we're going to kind of take a little bit of time to explore the the topic there and kind of dispel some of the myths of what is happening in that situation. So if you'll please take a second to welcome Squeak to the podcast today. He is the managing partner at Squeak Lights out of New Jersey. Thank you so much for joining me today. I appreciate it, Squeak. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to be on. So the reason I'm reaching out to you is because I follow you on Instagram and on Facebook and it looks like, even in the midst of our pandemic where everybody's out of work, it looks like you're still innovating and moving from one smaller shop to a bigger shop. And it made me think, like, what is this guy doing? How is he able to do such a wonderful, crazy, adventurous thing, uh, take on such a huge project in the midst of a pandemic? So maybe you can kind of talk through us what's happening. Like, What are you doing over there? Yeah, it sure looks exciting, doesn't it? Uh, it, look, it absolutely does. Yeah, looking one photo at a time, it looks great. Uh, it's been, I don't know, nicely put, kind of a slow-moving disaster that we've been dealing <laughs> with for now a year and a half. Finally came to culmination in July when we moved into our space. Uh, let me take it all the way back. A year Please. and a half ago, we decided it was time to move into a new shop. Summer 2019, things are booming. The world is looking great. We're going to do the biggest and best tours we've ever done, and we need a great facility to do those things out of. 
well, we went shopping. Uh, we found a great building that was two units and we're like, we'll go in, it's divided into units. We'll go into the big unit and we'll rent out the little unit. Well, the guy who sold us the building said, oh, this 10 foot ceiling. Oh, a dumpster and five guys. It'll be gone in an afternoon and you'll have a beautiful 17 foot ceiling to do your lighting or whatever it is you do out of here. And we said, that's great. We'll love that. Well, once the ink dried and we were handed the keys, we learned that was not the case. And we started a project to raise the roof of the building. We squished ourselves into the little half of the unit, which was smaller than our old shop. And it took two architectural drawings, one that was rejected, another that we finally went with, two different construction vendors. So we started planning in August Around November, we had a plan in place. The city sat on our plans for a month. It was late January. We finally got the approval to begin. And of course, as we learned, construction projects are never easy. Water was found when they started digging for the new footings. So they had to like stop and replan. This dragged on for a while. And then eventually the march, which will live in infinity, happened and everything shut down. So... We're, we were kind of screwed and we're trying to decide what to do. We had enough money to finish the project if we wanted with a bit of loans, but we were banking on the industry opening up quick. And at the same time, a developer approached us mid construction project and offered to buy our building from us and turn it into a driveway for a nearby Amazon warehouse. So we're kind of at this impasse where we're deciding what should we do? Was this a mistake we should get out of? Should we keep going? Luckily, we got an SBA loan to keep our business afloat. And we decided to keep stay the course. So once things opened up again, we had the loan in hand and we finished the construction project, which finally we began in August of 2019. And we finally got the certificate of approval from the city to move in in January of this, or sorry, July of this year. And then we rolled right in. We were, you know, we we're excited from the move. It was July, so the worst of the spring was done. So we, we decided, okay, we'll open up the streaming studio and just like give ourselves something to do with the new space. Wow. That is a, that is a quick whirlwind explanation of what, what went down there. Yeah, and it, it looks a lot cooler on social media when like your one check-in every couple of weeks is, oh, look, there's cement trucks there. Oh, there's a crane. Like, it's so exciting. And it's not like it's not like we were doing this because we came up with the secret to success and we're like, oh, we'll do all this. We have all this money from this project we did. It was just kind of making the best of the bad situation we were in. So come... March, you literally did not even have a, a ceiling. We, we did not. We were at this weird position where they had dug out the floor from our, our now new shop. And we had these big holes, which were constantly filled with water. So like nothing was happening, but they were still pumping out the concrete or sorry, pumping out the flood water Got while it. we were figuring this out. And then, yeah, there was this glorious two weeks where they, they ripped off the old roof and a big crane came in. And I have a picture up on my wall from it because I did find it really 
fun and cool. And they put all the steel up and they essentially built our new building during July when nothing was happening. And it looked cool. You know, it looked cool, but it wasn't like, oh, we shut down and now we decided to do this to make the most of it. It was kind of the end of a very long process. Right. Yeah. If you only see it online, it looks like, oh, well, you had the the forethought to realize that we were going to be out of work for, you know, nine months. Like, you know what? We need a new shop. Let's just do some renovations. Do it now. And that wasn't the case. And, you know, a lot of people, every time I do something out of the Ruby stage, which is what we've called our streaming space, I named it after my dog, uh, who everyone loves very much. But, like, we've done two or three concerts. We've done a handful of music videos. And every time we do something, I always get, I get other production companies asking me, like, oh, are you actually making money off of this? And I get tons of LDs being like, hey, man, I'd love to come work for you when you have something. And it's like, we really don't have anything. Like, most of the LD work goes to one of us because we're all excited to get to do something. Mm -hmm. And like, if you check in once in a while, it's like, oh, they're busy. They're doing great. And the reality is like uh, the Ruby stage has done maybe, I don't know, three or 4% of what we would do in a normal year. And we do it Mm -hmm. to keep busy and like keep our skills up. But it's not like, it's not like, oh, you've pivoted and you're now succeeding in these difficult times. It's like, we're not really succeeding. We're just kind of treading water which I think Mm -hmm. is what a lot of people, that's kind of the best you can ask for right now. And I think when you see, you know, you see like a couple posts from us, you see a couple posts from somebody else posting stuff and you can get this idea that like, if you worked harder, if you were better LD, if you were smarter, like you'd be doing great right now. And like, at least for me, that's not the reality. And I think that's not the reality for a lot of people, but it's easy to get that idea when you're just seeing stuff on social media. Yeah, I share that with you. I uh, even on my side from the manufacturer side of the industry, there's uh, there's posts of all these events going on. I'm like, am I missing something? What is what am I missing? And is I'm not missing anything. It's all happening in front of us, but there's nothing. There's no actual movement yeah. taking place. You know, yeah. there's 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 a lot of people treading water and putting things together with duct tape and, mm-hmm. and bubble gum but it's not nearly as glamorous as it looks. We're, if there's one thing that we're good at in the industry is it's making things look bigger than yeah. they really are. As my, even, even fall for it. As my high school tech director used to say, we sell the sizzle, not the steak. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, I, I realize I probably contribute to that as well because manufacturers, you know, their PR guys are waiting to go. So it's like, hey, we did this thing and there's six of your lights in it. You want to write it up and they're like yeah we want to write it up and post all these pictures and look busy right mm-hmm. like years that's, moving look like it's time to invest that's quite literally both of our jobs is to make it look like you need this because and this is what we have yeah and then you get like i get so many ads now in my email of like hey it's xyz gear financing company now's the perfect time to buy and it's like what what do you mean now's the perfect time to buy? (laughs) I haven't paid myself an honest paycheck since like March, like being perfectly candid, the month of December, 
I've made $250 that I've been able to pay myself. And like, that's it. So no, I'm not going to go finance a bunch of X, Y, Z. Yeah. And, and rent it to whom? <laughs> yeah. I would love to have XYZ lights, but uh, nobody's renting XYZ lights. So, And I know it's going to be rough when we come back because everybody's going to want all the lights that came out while we were in quarantine. It's like, hey, I'm still paying off these other lights. How about you rent those out for a little bit? Like, let's, let's catch back up to <laughs> how we thought we would be in March of last year. That is something that just uh, I thought of recently is how unique of a situation that's going to be because normally the the rate of technological processes you have to buy new stuff every mm-hmm. couple months to even weeks now to catch the newest stuff but for the first time in our history in a long time it'll it'll be a year and a half to two years of innovation without yeah. people buying new products Terrible. there's going to be some really cool new stuff available uh, and i can't afford of this. any of it because like <laughs> We made some big moves for us at the beginning of this year and the last year. Like we bought a bunch of Alation Picassos. We bought a whole bunch of the Chauvet beam washes. Like we bought stuff to step up and then you get all this new gear and then it's just sitting in your warehouse. And it's like, when we come back, I got to make that gear work. And I've got to like pay that back before I can even think about moving forward, which is tough. Yeah. That's the stuff that doesn't make it into a Facebook feed, does it? No, no. Hey, man, look at the statement past due. <laughs> not going to post that, but hey, this local band shooting a music video. Can I show you eight different posts from it? Exactly. I'm lucky I have a good looking dog or I'd have nothing to post on it. <laughs> Ruby lights now. New, mm-hmm. new Ruby Oh, well, Ruby stage. <laughs> I, I guess I, th- I think that I think the term is imposter syndrome. Is that is that yeah. accurate? Oh yeah, and it's. I mean, listen. I in this year it's been rough because the other unintended consequence I have is that all the good stuff that went away I don't think about. What I do think about way too much is all the bad stuff that was happening or was a struggle in March right before the shutdown. So I didn't think, oh, I have all these great clients who are going to be coming back in the fall. Fall fall of 2021, we're back. I'm looking forward to it. But I think about, oh, we, we screwed up this bid. Oh, I lost this design to this vendor. And like, that's the stuff that hangs out. And then like, I'm kind of thinking, I'm like, well, I know we rented out lights when we were a business before, but like when we come back, who's going to rent for me? And why is nobody renting for me now? And oh, why don't I have XYZ thing going on? And like, it's easy to question yourself, right? And with concerts, it's an ethereal thing. It happens and then it's gone. So like, if you're not producing, if you're not creating stuff, it's like difficult to exist, which is a, little abstract but (laughs) we are uh, as a species we're very predispositioned to focus on the negative things that have happened to us yeah i think it's uh, in our core to try and avoid the negative and seek the positive and we 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 just we forget about all the positive things that we have done while focusing on all the positive things that other people have done yeah 
yeah and it's easy to get jealous off of what other people are doing and when they do stuff that looks cool you're like why don't i have that and it's like i see online like we were one of the things that was on the list for this year is we wanted to buy a transit van and have like our own van to do deliveries and stuff because right now we just rent whenever we need it and we're like this is the year for a van and i see other people who are buying trucks and vans during this and i'm like first off i'm like you're an idiot. Why are you spending that money right now? Like that's going to rust and you're going to be paying insurance and payments and no money's coming in. Why, why are you doing that? And then I think that, I think that with the smart side of my brain and then the emotional side of my brain is like, why don't you have a truck? Why don't you go buy a van and put your logo on it? What are they doing that you're not doing? And it's like, I know, I know it's a terrible idea and I shouldn't do it right now. But like, I see somebody buying a new van and I'm like, I should buy a van. Why don't I have a van? It's like, don't, don't do that. You know better. But like, I, then I'm feeling shitty about vans and then I'm scrolling through Facebook, looking at ads for transit vans, knowing full well, I'm not buying a transit van right now. The Joneses have a transit van. I know. And obviously I'm smarter than that guy and I'm better at business. It's like, that's why he bought a van and you didn't because you're smart and you know better than to buy a van right now no offense to anyone who just bought a van this year but i hope you have a good plan for it but at the same time it's like you see that and then you feel bad that you don't have that van (laughs) vicious cycle right such a vicious cycle how stupid and like you know it's stupid but it doesn't stop you from feeling like bad about it the same thing you'll like i'll go look and i'll say oh look at this cool project somebody did you know knowing none of the reality of it right like it could be something where they just gave away the lights for this or they did it for next to nothing. And you're like, why aren't I getting those gigs? Like, what should I be doing differently? And like, it's tough. And then you feel bad about yourself. And I, I know I'm not the only, like there's enough self-loathing LDs out there that I can't be the only person doing this right now. That is a, is a great transition to my next question. How did you go from being a self-loathing LD to a self-loathing businessman. <laughs> uh, I mean, so I started Squeak Lights because I was touring with They Might Be Giants and they had a very small budget and I, I was getting these lights I didn't like. So I was like, oh, I looked at their touring schedule. I thought about their budget. And I was like, I'll buy, I'll buy a nice little floor package and I'll rent it to them. And then it kind of started, like I started the company so I could get better lights for my own tours and then other people are wanting to rent from me. And then you start buying gear and then suddenly own hundreds of moving lights. And it gets to the point where you're on tour and you're half business owner and half LD. And like when you're splitting yourself that much, things slip through the cracks. Mm-hmm. And then eventually it was like, I got to I gotta focus on the business. And I'll be honest, I got married and I did my first tour after I got married and it was kind of like I want to be home I want to have a dog like I want a little more of a stable life than touring gives you so part of the reason like I kind of I don't know like it would sound smarter if I said yeah I planned it the whole way that I'd grow this business and eventually transition into ownership but it just kind of happened and it kind of happened to coincide with my life settling down a little bit and wanting to be home more. So it, it worked okay. out. So you don't have any uh, official business training. You just 
learned as you went? A little. I took entrepreneurship classes in college because at one point I thought about wanting to run a lighting company one day. So I took okay. some classes. Then I, for a while, was grabbing any book I could get my hands into. There's this great book called My Personal MBA, which was like four inches thick. And it was all these little 15-minute chapters. So I would okay. read it, I'd read a couple chapters to fall asleep in my bunk at night. And over a tour, I was able to chew through this whole thing. So books have been a great help. Um, meeting other LDs or other business owners in the world who are happy to chat with me has been also really wonderful. And that's a resource I'm really grateful for. Because once you start a business and like really get into it, it's a very isolating thing because there's no like when you're an LD, you go to a festival and you meet all these other LDs and you can talk about being an LD. And that's doesn't really happen to business owners. So like, I really value the friendships I've created with other small lighting shop owners to get their insight on stuff and like, hey, you should do this different or hey, have you thought about X? And those kind of conversations have been really helpful to me. Uh, I'll give you a very appropriate, for instance, uh, my old boss, Chip Self at Logic System was like, you need to do banking X, Y, and Z way and you should open up a line of credit for yourself. And I did that in May, and that gave me a big chunk of money I could access then just in case, I don't know, there's a big pandemic that shuts down your business for a year. And like those kind of things have helped me thrive, thrive and survive. Thrive? Survive? Yeah. yeah, sure. Yeah, somewhere between thrive and survive. Survive. Yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll start etching that into wood and selling it to people to put over the <laughs> Maybe that can be how I, I feel like we're all kind of thriving these days. Yeah. And it, it definitely some days is better than others. There are definitely days where it's like, I'm just going to sit in the shower and be in the warm water for a half hour before I get out of the shower and then face the world. And some days it's like, oh, I'm excited to get in the shop. There's something fun to do today. And it's something little, but we're going to drag it into a full day of activity. Yeah. Taking a shower and putting on pants is an accomplishment for me these days. I feel like a human being when I actually put on a belt. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty happy about that. Building a, an entire new building and tearing down a drop ceiling would be through the roof for me. Yeah. And it, it really like being able to pro project manage essentially and just watch over my foreman for the time the project was going on gave me a lot of purpose earlier on in the pandemic. And then we moved into the shop and we set up the Ruby stage. And then once we were set up, it was like, okay, now what? And, you know, video games are fun, but it's not something you can do full time. Mm -hmm. So I'd imagine there were many business owners who could help you uh, or guide you and mentor you in a little bit. And they would have some really good nuggets of wisdom. But I don't know of anybody who could have foreseen the obstacles that you were going to come across as of March, <laughs> you had, that's all stuff that you just had to make really tough decisions on a daily basis. Yeah. And uh, luckily I can appreciate my privilege in this situation where it's like, I had a pretty decent savings it personally. So it's like, I just had to make the business float. Right. The other thing that I think helped us survive is like squeak lights is mostly just me and my two partners we were never responsible for keeping a staff on mm -hmm. and we were pretty low overhead to begin with. So like 
you know, aside from not paying ourselves, we, we didn't really have to let anyone go. Like, obviously, all the LDs we try and get on projects weren't working, but it's not like they were our responsibility, which would have made things a lot harder. Right. Uh, it's, it's refreshing to see that mom and pop shop lighting companies still have a niche in this industry. There are still a place for it. You haven't, we haven't completely ruined the small businesses with the, the Borgs and the conglomerates. Yeah, they're certainly trying and, you know, but I, I love, I love the little niche we're in. Uh, just like most of our business is touring. We do a little local rentals and, you know, we'll buy things to sometimes cater to those. But I love that back when squeak lights was a thing and when we are a thing again next year, like we focus on club level touring and theater level touring. And we give, we give clients and LDs these like really great packages. And it's like the thing we do and we're really good at it. So I cool. love that we, we found that niche to be in and it's super satisfying. Like I used to like bar mitzvahs and stuff and I hated it. Just making like, oh, it's a bat mitzvah. Make the walls pink. Oh, it's a bar mitzvah. It's amber. Oh, it's a wedding. It's amber. Oh, it's a board meeting. Make the walls amber. And mm, like to be away wanna. from that. And when we were first starting up, you know, you get you get good advice. You get terrible advice. A lot of people are like, dude, New York City, you should focus on the events market. You should focus on trying to get these ballroom gigs and stuff. And it's like, I hate those gigs. That's I didn't start a business to do those kind of gigs. And I'm thrilled that with squeak lights, I don't have to do those gigs. Sometimes we rent lights to people who do those gigs, mm -hmm. but I have not talked to a wedding planner since I got married. And I love Congratulations. that. Congratulations. Thanks. Because <laughs> <laughs> those people are tough. Wedding planners are worse than musicians, hands down. They, uh, they treat every, every conversation like it is life or death when it uh, comes to a wedding. I had... There was, I was working at this hoity-toity venue and we had color blasts and the event planner was trying to get his own Bravo TV channel and he was screaming at me in front of the camera that I, he wanted purple and I had red and blue up in the lights and he doesn't want red and blue, he wants purple. And I'm like, I can't, like, that's not... This is going to be a long conversation. Like, listen, here are the three things I can do. I can turn up green, I can turn down red, or I can turn down blue. I can't turn up purple. It's like, I haven't had a conversation like that with any of my clients. Like, yes, there are challenges. Yes, things have gone wrong. But it's not nobody trying to get a Bravo TV show has screamed at me in a while. I'm sure he... Uh... I'm sure they turned it up a little extra for the camera too, just uh, and you were just kind of a prop at the at the time. Yeah, yeah, especially when he's like, "Oh, we need to do this again." I'm like, "Do we have to?" I don't. <sighs> thankfully, I don't believe he ever got the TV show. <laughs> it's that way off camera too. Well done. Yeah. Well done. <laughs> you kind of touched briefly on what the local, state, and federal governments did to assist you. Do you feel like you got a fair treatment? I mean, from the, from the state? I guess my expectations are so low that <laughs> I'm pleasantly surprised. Uh, we got PPP, which let me pay me and my two partners for two months, which was 
it was nice. It was better than nothing. We got an SBA loan, which that SBA loan is why I will exist through the end of this pandemic. Like if we didn't have that SBA loan, I don't really know where we would be right now. We'd be pretty screwed. Um, believe it or not, the best grant I've gotten was from the county our shop is in. They had a local okay. program and they gave us a um, three months of operating expenses basically to keep the doors open. And the state has given us a couple bucks. I read this morning on the news. Hopefully by the time this podcast airs, there's a second round of PPP, which will yeah. help me pay my mortgage personally for a few months more, which I'm very much looking forward to. But again, like I understand my privilege. I know there's a lot of people who aren't as in good a financial shape as I am. Mm-hmm. And like I feel for all the road crews out there. And like, if I was, if this happened and I was 23 and just starting up, like, I don't know what I would do during this. Right. And like my wife works. So like, we're, we're backed on that side some and like, but it's like, I think about young me and I'm like, I don't know what I would do if I'd still had student loans and stuff. And I think there's a lot of people who need more support than they're getting. Mm. I, I, we definitely, uh, everybody from every walks of the industry is, is standing in solidarity. Some of us might be doing a little better. Some might be a little worse, but we're all in this together. It's, uh, it's definitely the same boat. We're all grabbing corks and duct tape to plug the holes. That's for sure. Yeah. It's like I'll do every silly little music video I can to help keep things afloat right now. We shot one yesterday where the artist literally came in and did it on an iPhone. I'm like, you know what? He's paying for the room today. He can do whatever he wants. Wow. Just to keep things going. That, if that's what people want, that's what people want. Mm-hmm. One of the photos that I saw that I found really intriguing and I thought was very clever was uh, the idea of doing uh, promotional photos for cars. Oh, yeah. that was. How a- did that idea come up? That was a brilliant failure. Um <laughs> No, my partner. Not, not according to Facebook. It looked awesome. It looks great on Facebook. Um, my partner Ben has a Mazda Speed Three, and he's like, "I want to bring it into the shop and take pictures of it." And I saw that, and I'm like, "Maybe we can get other people to pay to take pictures of their car looking cool." So my father-in-law has a electric DeLorean. Who I was like, "Bring that in. We'll shoot the DeLorean. We'll make it look cool, and then we'll get all these local car enthusiasts to come." and take pictures of their car and they'll pay us a hundred bucks. They'll get some cool photos and we'll like crank through 10 or 20 cars in a day. And we won't make good money, but we'll make some money. So we did that. I got a thousand flyers. We went to a couple car shows to like try and hand them out. And when we went by ourselves, I was like, I don't know how to talk to car people. Like (laughs) I've watched a couple episodes of Top Gear, but I can't like have meaningful conversation and then we left, like, sometimes my father-in-law would take us DeLorean to a car show and, like, hand out some flyers. Uh, there's a coffee shop who likes me and hosts a car show who he had flyers on his counter. We advertised on a car show website. And uh, we didn't have a single paying customer come from it. So it was one of those, like, we'll try and pivot and we'll try and do <laughs> this thing. But ultimately, you can't just will stuff into existence. Like, you can work hard and you can try new ideas, which we tried. And yeah, I didn't make a dollar. It looks cool, though, right? Like, if you saw the picture of the DeLorean, it was pretty neat. 
That uh, is sadly the perfect example of the imposter syndrome. I would have thought like, oh my God, why aren't more people doing this? This is such a great idea. A terrible idea. And nobody wants to pay $100 to get a photo of their car taken. Yeah. They're like, I'm just going to go out into the country and take it for free. I don't need your lights, apparently. That's a bummer. Yeah. And we ultimately, we also tried it a little late in the car show season to like get traction on it. Uh, Or it was just a bad idea. And you just kind of own it and move on. Right. Right on. It's, uh, it takes a it takes a strong man to admit that that was that didn't work out so well. Thank you for your candid, hey man, candidness there. That try and live the life I'm living right now. No, yeah, that is that is a perfect example of it. I can only uh, speak on behalf of myself that there's many times where I've taken where I've spent the whole day looking for the good photo of what I was doing because I didn't want to show <laughs> yeah the rest of the uh, the the rest of the day like ah uh, everything else was terrible but man. This one look, even though that it look appeared in a show, <laughs> it, was it was a great moment. Yeah. And like, of course, like you still have to do that because you still have to sell yourself and mm-hmm. you still have to try and get gigs. And that's like, that's the trade off. It's like you post all this stuff because that's how you generate business and posting the one good photo you got. So you're posting a photo, you know, helps people think about you when things come back. So, like, we're kind of stuck with it for the most part. So, yeah, uh, and you and I have touched on this before, but it's it's a balancing act that we have to walk. We want to stay relevant, and we need people to remember us. Yeah, even though we're not doing that much, we're we're really just maintaining or thriving, as you said, trying our best to keep existing. We can't disappear from social media. Because that's how we keep in contact with most of our clients these days. Yeah. And when people see you, they think about you and they remember you. And if they stop thinking about you, the last thing you want is being like, oh, they didn't see a picture from me. And now they've found somebody else they want to work with instead of me. And, you know, maybe that's not the case. I think a lot of people are concerned because they don't know what the industry is going to look like when things come back. Personally, I think the fall of next year is going to start to look good. And then 2021 is going to be off the hook from what I've heard, just talking to my clients and like everybody's booking every tour they can in 2021 and every band's going to be competing to sell tickets. So a way bands like to compete is getting more production and hopefully it's really good for us. And hopefully my brand new shop is empty for all of 2021, but it's like, we got to get there first. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, shops aren't designed to be full. They're designed to be empty as much as possible. I remember my first job out of college, I was working for a national lighting company and I asked like the GM or somebody, I'm like, so like, is this how many lights they have? And like, we have way more lights than fit in the shop. But the idea is if all your lights are back in the shop, something has gone terribly, terribly wrong. It's like, oh, look where we are now. Yeah. Sadly, I've seen too many full shops these days. And that's, I've seen shops that just never had any intention whatsoever of having all their gear back. Yeah. And, and now they're, they're getting trailers, storage crates to fill with stuff. Yeah. Um, depressing, but. A lot of us thought awful. that a lot of us thought that this was just going to be a two week to one month thing. And they, we could just leave everything 
still on their carts in the shops and then they'd be back out after a while. But that was our point. Boy, were we wrong. Yeah, I remember when it all started, we first like one band said back in June. It's like, okay, maybe things are coming back in June. And then we said, well, June might be a little aggressive. Definitely by Labor Day, things will be back. Yeah. And then by the time we got to Labor Day, it was clear like this is going to be a lot longer than anybody expected. Yeah. Batten down the hatches. Luckily, I think the end is near, but in a good way. Like New Jersey just got their first doses of the vaccine starting to hand out yesterday. I think Fauci mm-hmm. said the majority of Americans should be have it by late spring. So my hope is summer, we're going to see stuff. I've seen bands start to announce stuff for the summer. I've mm-hmm. seen festivals start to announce. And it's like, all right, if I know the end date and like, it's like running a marathon. Every time the end is pushed back, it's like that much harder. But it's like, okay, if I know this is where we're going to, I can actually plan. And for the right. long time with the pandemic, we didn't know how long we were planning for. Yeah, we kind of thought it was just going to be a simple 5K and it is... It's not a 5k. <laughs> yeah. Right on. Well, that is, uh, that's uplifting. I'm really glad to hear that there is, uh, some rays of sunshine cracking through the door jam. Definitely sounds like there are people starting to plan things. I'm starting to see a couple of people I've reached out to like, dude, you'll never guess. I just booked my first gig for September of 21. And you're like, that's, yeah. That's great. I really want to do everything we can to make sure that you're still in the industry in September of 21 to to take that gig. Yeah, it's like I never thought I'd be excited to hear about gigs that are 10 months away. <laughs> but yeah, uh, right now it's like, I'll take it. I'll take it. Absolutely. Do you remember being able to say like, oh, that's that's really far away. Hit me up in uh, f- when it's like five weeks out and we'll, we'll yeah. pencil it in. <laughs> Oh, you want to talk to me about a tour that's four months from now? I can't. You got to you gotta come back sooner. And now it's like, hey, if anybody wants renders for 2022, please hit me up. I will, <laughs> I will render the shit out of it for you. Whatever you need. Whatever. I'm just sitting at home with my dog. Like, let's do something. Mm-hmm. So we are almost out of time. But uh, given your uh, propensity to be very candid with me and open... Let's kind of tackle this uh, a discussion that few people have been willing to conjecture. Let's say come February or March. Yeah. Let's say a fair amount of people have the vaccines. Do you think it's going to be just a, f- the floodgates are going to open back up or do you think it's going to be a slow trickle back to arena size events? Okay. So my expectation and I'm just a mediocre lighting guy who owns a shop. I'm not a medical expert or anything. I think what we're going to start to see first are local outdoor shows. Like I think we'll have concerts, you know, your local band shell is going to have the fucking Leonard Skinner tribute band. I think we'll start to see those things first. Okay. I think maybe we'll see some like smaller shed tours over the summer. Outdoor shed stuff. Outdoor shed stuff. And then okay. in the fall of this coming year, we'll start to see club tours in a familiar sort of sense. Okay. Um, and then I think next year, next year, next, next year, 22 is when arena tours and big indoor stuff will come back. But I also don't, okay. think, I don't think we're going to see like half cap stuff. I think, I think things are going to stay pretty locked down. 
And then we're going to kind of cross the point where it's widely understood that anybody who could get a vaccine who wants one can. And we've okay. essentially, we'll hit like a herd immunity point. And I think it's just going to kind of be back on. And like, maybe there's this weird period where it's like, you got to wear a mask while you're in the arena, but it's still 10,000 people or whatever. Okay. That's my impression of what's happening based on conversations with like my artist managers and stuff. Okay. That's just uh, a guess though. So when I think about the ticket sales, like I had tickets to go see uh, Atlantis Morissette in April of 20. Do you think that Atlantis Morissette would have priority on the next available arena stuff? Or do you think they're just going to, all bets are off and those are just gone to the wind and whoever can fill the arena next is going to get priority? I think it's going to be people who have already sold tours would be the first thing. I think we'll see all the tours rescheduled that were scheduled and canceled. Um, and then the bands who didn't have stuff booked will start filling in on top. Of Got them. it. I, okay. I had tickets to see Rammstein in Philadelphia this summer and they postponed and I'm pretty confident I'll be able to see them next summer. I think they've got the, enough clout to be able to come in and say, hey, we want this date. Yeah. And fortunately for me, I'm just an LD. I'm not in charge of booking or right. taking care of like, oh, who gets priority? But I think it's going to be stuff rescheduled from previous tours and then stuff will fill in beyond that. But I think it's going to be busy once once bands can reasonably travel around the country without fear of getting locked down mid-tour or spikes killing their tour halfway through i think that's when we'll start to th see things come back to normal i look forward to seeing who are the pioneers there I, I'm, I'm imagining it's going to be the smash mouths and the <laughs> They're going to be on like and the Leonard Skinners, and they're going to be the like, yeah, we're we're taking this risk because live free or die. Yeah, and you know it's frustrating when you see people. I don't want to throw Florida as a state under the bus, but you see a lot of these assholes in Florida who are doing these full size gigs already while things are bad. And I think there's going to be sketchier people promoting stuff before it's really safe and promoting stuff in markets where they don't care as much. Um, but honestly, like, I think we all kind of know Live Nation and AEG really are the two who control it. And once they feel like they can mount a cross country tour, I think like they're in the driver's seat for when stuff happens to pick. Right. Up. Everybody can say, oh, well, so-and-so gets to decide or it all oh, depends on this, depends on Live Nation and AEG. And once they feel like it's a safe financial bet, to tour again, they're absolutely going to do it. Because, you know, right. however much money I lost this year and will lose next year, I know it pales in comparison to what the big promoters have lost. <laughs> and there's nobody on earth who has a bigger financial incentive to make touring happen safely and profitably than those two companies. So I'm kind of like, we'll see when they do stuff and, you know, everything comes off after that. Yeah, I would imagine it's their their lawyers and their insurance companies that are going to give them the green light and then they'll go from there. Yeah, and you know, there's been a lot of talk of indemnity for people from lawsuits for this and that could also play a big part. I am yeah. I am cautious about people who want it across the board because I can I I can reasonably say, okay, if you know, you want to throw a concert and you want to say, listen, if you come to the concert, 
you have you take some level of risk, but at the same time, I think employers have a responsibility to their employees to keep them right. safe. And I think if you just do broad indemnity against COVID in general, you know, Amazon's going to screw their warehouse employees. Like all these companies won't will no longer have any reason to protect their employees even a little. Mm-hmm. So I think that I think that's something we have to be careful with. Luckily, I'm not the one who makes those decisions about laws. Yeah. Disclaimer here, we're we're not lawyers in any way. We're just two lighting guys talking right now. Yeah, just two lighting know, guys. Not none of this is gospel. No. We're just making we're making the best ideas we can with the information we're provided at the time. Yeah, I think we all need to be ready to to put down whatever it is that we're doing and be like, yeah, I'm gonna take that gig, but we still have to be willing to ask like if if I take this gig, are you gonna watch out for my best interest? Are you going to make sure I stay healthy? Are you going to put me in harm's way for this meager mm-hmm. amount of money that you're offering? You know? Yeah. So I think, I don't think anybody should take that to the bank, but I feel like that's a good jumping off point to, for what we can expect. Yeah. And hopefully I would say, hopefully we can do this in again in a year and we can talk about how right we were, but honestly, hopefully <laughs> a year from now we're both too busy to do a podcast. That's my hope. I want nothing more than to be too busy to do a podcast. <laughs> hey, if you, still ask, if you ask me in a year, I'll be happy. I'll listen to this again and we can do one in a year and see how close we were. Good deal. I think that's a great way to end the conversation. Right. I'll talk to you in a year. <laughs>